Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Let's face it, some canned vegetables are so very different from their fresh forms, think asparagus, that plenty of kids grow up swearing off otherwise delicious foods forever. So it's no surprise that canned foods have a bad rap. But the bad reputation goes beyond just the food that comes inside those cans. It's also because of things like the growth of farmers' markets in the last 20 years, and influencers like California's Alice Waters and Michael Pollan, who have encouraged eating locally raised fresh foods over processed foods, and BPA linings, and scary accounts of the dangers of dented cans told by well-meaning grandparents. So, is that bad reputation deserved? First, let's back up and talk about canning foods as a whole. Canning was born out of a search for convenience and efficiency. A French candy maker and chef, Nicolas Appert, developed the process at the end of the 18th century. Napoleon was offering a huge prize to anyone who could help him feed his troops. Appert's original process isn't very different from the canning methods used today. Appert put food in bottles and jars, covered them with cork and wax, and processed the jars in boiling water. The French government paid a pair to make his process public, and that led to the first recipe book on canning. A pair's process spread quickly. Not 20 years later, the British Navy fed soldiers the first meat, soups, and vegetables that were canned in tin instead of jars. During World War II, governments in a number of countries, including the U.S. and the U.K., promoted home canning. The U.S. printed and distributed circulars and opened thousands of canning centers to help home cooks preserve food grown in home gardens. Canning became patriotic, supplementing bland and sometimes inadequate rations. In the 1950s, commercially canned and other packaged foods were introduced as nutritious, time-saving, modern conveniences. A popular book, The Can Opener Cookbook by food editor Poppy Cannon, promised readers they could open some cans and create a gourmet meal without really knowing how to cook. The recipes included roast canned chicken flambe with black cherries, made with a whole canned chicken. Another meal was made of canned hamburger patties, covered with fried onions and red wine, baked in a casserole dish for 20 minutes. Canned food was promoted and seen as better than fresh, especially as industrial agriculture began to incorporate more modern fertilizers and technologies. The author of the Can Opener Cookbook wrote that the flavor of fresh tomatoes was bad and that for real tomato flavor, you should open a can. Fifty-ish years later, canned tomatoes are still an off-season go-to for tomato lovers and cooks. And I certainly can't deny the convenience of a can of beans, already cooked and ready to go into a salad, soup, dip, or whatever other dish. No long soaking or parboiling required. From a nutrition standpoint, the canning process today is designed to preserve as many nutrients as possible— Fruits and vegetables for canning are picked at the peak of their ripeness, as opposed to some produce picked for fresh sale, which may be underripe to prevent spoilage during transport from farm to store. Crops destined for canning are grown close to packing facilities and can be processed within four hours of harvest. The heat used during canning does decrease some of the water-soluble vitamins in the finished food, like vitamins B and C. And often, salt and sugar are added during the process— Experts suggest rinsing canned food to reduce some of the added sugar and salt or buying low-salt and low-sugar products. And, of course, that heat also changes the texture of vegetables, regrettably so in the case of those canned asparagus. But that heat is a plus when it comes to food safety. The heat introduces pressure that helps seal the cans, but it can also kill or deactivate deadly germs. Remember when we mentioned our grandparents' aversions to dented or swollen cans? Those fears are based in reality. Let's talk about my favorite scary condition, 
botulism. It's caused by a bacterial toxin so deadly that just a millionth of a gram is enough to kill. The United States and other countries even explored botulism as a biological weapon during World War II. The bacteria that create this toxin, Clostridium botulinum, are everywhere, but people associate botulism with canned foods because the bacteria only reproduce in low-oxygen environments, like a poorly processed can. Today, commercial canned foods go through what's called a botulinum cook. This is a high-heat cook that dramatically lowers the chance that any Clostridium botulinum spores or other organisms that can cause foodborne illness survive. For the record, you should discard any can that's puffed out or swollen. That's caused by germs reproducing inside of it, and it is bad news. Cans that are dented are usually fine, as long as the dent is not along the can's seams. The most recent concern about canned foods, though, isn't the food at all. It's the cans themselves and what they're lined with, including BPA. Over the past two decades, public attention has focused on BPA, the compound used to make polycarbonate plastics and epoxy resins. In 2008, the U.S. government's National Toxicology Program concluded that there was concern about its effects on the brains, behavior, and prostate glands of fetuses, infants, and children. Other studies have linked BPA to cardiovascular disease, obesity, asthma, and diabetes. BPA exposure is widespread. The Centers for Disease Control found BPA in 93% of the urine samples of more than 25,000 people aged 6 and older. BPA can leach from containers, including cans, into foods and drinks. And so, plastics and canning manufacturers have worked to develop replacement materials. The Can Manufacturers Institute says more than 90% of food cans today are lined with new BPA-free materials, such as polyesters, acrylics, and PVC. Though note that that 90% figure just refers to food cans. It doesn't include canned drinks or bottle caps. And although replacing a known concern is great, the safety of some of those substitutes is still being researched. We spoke with Sarah Geller, a senior research and database analyst at the Environmental Working Group. She said, we don't have a lot of data about how these materials are used because the formulas are protected by trade secrets. And even though cans with newer linings can help you avoid endocrine disruptors, they may not be good for the environment. Some materials don't degrade. If you're concerned about contamination from canned foods, Geller recommends using fresh, frozen, or dried food instead of canned. But if you simply can't get away from the convenience of canned foods, absolutely don't heat the food in the can. Finally, be aware that some compounds, including BPA, have become such pervasive contaminants in the environment that it's getting harder to avoid no matter what your food is packaged in. Geller said, detectable amounts of BPA may make it into otherwise BPA-free cans from other sources, including the food itself. To end on a slightly lighter note, even though food was first canned in metal cans around 1813, it took about 40 years for someone to invent a can opener. And can openers for home use didn't become popular until the 1860s. Before then, you'd break out the hammer and chisel. Today's episode was written by Sean Chavis and produced by Tyler Klang. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more on this and lots of other topics that we put in the can just for you, visit our home planet, HowStuffWorks.com. And for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 